So tonight I wanted to talk about <clears throat> our favorite three-letter word. And I want to say just a couple of things up front, which is, one, I'm glad my daughter finally fell asleep. Um, but um, I want to just acknowledge that it's a sense it could be a potentially sensitive topic. Um, and so, yeah, to whatever degree you feel comfortable or uncomfortable, uh, if you need to tune out or tune in or let me know later, feedback, whatever, I'm open to it. Also, um, whatever I share or other people share stays confidential if people are sharing. Um, and it's not necessarily designed to be kind of like a confessional or, uh, I don't know, revealing kind of conversation, but things might come up. So let's try to respect that and, and keep it um, here. Um, and also I acknowledge, or I want to acknowledge the kind of humility aspect and also the unavoidable, like I'm a straight male. And so my, whatever kind of understanding I have about sex comes from that experience, which is not only like the actual like male sexual response and how it feels physically for me and how I've dealt with it, but just how that is in, in the culture to be me. So filter like all of that disclaimer with maybe I have some things I can share, but it could all just be, or it, it is uniquely the way I understand it. So I just want to put that out there as I'm limited in the way that I can understand the entire concept and would be open if other people felt like they had completely opposite or different experiences. But um, I want to at least make enough kind of, of a framework where it helps make sense for me. And maybe it helps make, make sense of it for you. So is that all fair and good? Mm -hmm. um, so it sounds so dreary, but sex in general <laughs> should be a pretty fun thing to talk about. Um, and obviously, uh, it can be an intensely pleasurable activity for many reasons. It's also very powerful, like it can create new human beings. Um, so it has all these different dimensions to it. Um, but what happens or what, what happens in religion, particularly like, so if we're looking at, we're, we're learning mindfulness from a Buddhist lens, uh, there, a lot of the teachers I had were not in relationships. I mean, maybe they were having sex, but they weren't like actively in relationships publicly and didn't have children. And this were, this is not only like teachers that are not in monks robes, but like actual monks and nuns. And so in its Catholicism as well has a monastic tradition, but Buddhism has a monastic tradition. And there's a 2,500 year history of a monastic tradition. And there are some teachings that sound really, really anti-sex 
in the sense that, well, or if you even back up, when you read the introduction to any book, Introduction to Buddhism, you're going to read about the Four Noble Truths. And the Four Noble Truths start with life is suffering and the cause of suffering is desire. And sometimes that is most specifically labeled as sexual desire or lust. And so then you can see almost like an impressionable young person who reads about that either is like, that's crazy, that doesn't make any sense, I'm going to continue doing what I want to do, or wait a second, does that mean I have to give up sex or are the types of sex that I'm doing immoral, which is the same thing as any religion. And part of what I wrote in that email is that in some ways it's the religions that are the primary cause of our, or one of the causes of our kind of confusion about what healthy sexuality is, because it, it becomes like, this is pure, this is impure, this is moral, this is immoral. Um, it should only be done in this particular way with this particular person. And then it creates a whole, a whole range of confused and twisted thinking. So it took me a number of years to kind of figure this out. So that's why I want to share with you, if you're getting into mindfulness, and you're reading books about Buddhism written by any number of like Japanese Zen teachers or Tibetan teachers or Theravadan teachers, insight meditation. It is very confusing for them when they say that desire is the cause of suffering, because then you're like, well, does that mean I should just completely destroy my sexual desire or my, my libido or something like, how does that work? Um, oh yeah. If, there's just a note there if you if you can all mute up because I think there were some sounds there that were. Um, so that is not necessary. It is not necessary to um, somehow trick your brain or your body into not having sexual thoughts or sexual desire. If you even thought that was possible, it's, it's not possible just by sitting and meditating to like get rid of those thoughts. Uh, so just wanted to make that absolutely clear because after 20 years of meditating, I still have those thoughts like it's, and it, and it's not desirable to get rid of those thoughts necessarily. And so that's why I want to kind of break this down. But I wanted to say that first, that you can still have sexual desire and get enlightened. It's not, um, the exact desire they're talking about. So what are they talking about? So here's how I've, I've kind of laid it out. We've got function, junction, compulsion, and revulsion. So let's start with function. So sexual function, I would say is primarily, I'm the way I'm defining it is primarily a physical thing. It's something just like appetite for food. It's a, it's a physical feeling that you have. You're walking around and you just feel this feeling or I feel this feeling. Um, and then there's a desire for some sort of release or some sort of pleasure. And that function will say for this purpose is like entirely physical. That's natural and normal. So that we're going to put that in the category of that's natural and normal. You're not going to change that. So you'll feel this like impulse or this desire or whatever it is, an appetite for something. I mean, your libido might be low, in which case this appetite is lower, but 
you feel some appetite for some physical satisfaction and we're going to call that function and that's natural and normal and you can be mindful of that and not need to push that away or work on that it's just something that you'll experience now junction so we've got function and the second one I, i've labeled as junction is a sexual drive that has more to do with connecting with another person. So it's like taking the purely physical function and pun intended, marrying it with the desire to, to have that, that function specifically with another person. So this is where the function becomes not just physical, but emotional, that there's like an emo a desire for emotional connection with one other person or I guess it could be multiple people, but like in this case, like function moves to junction and when you're not only craving that feeling in general, but craving to be with a, another person. So you could imagine a situation where you have junction, but not function, right? Where you're close with a person and you want that emotional bond, but in that moment, you're not acting out on the function. I would say junction also is in the category of things that's natural and normal. So the latter two, compulsion and repulsion or revulsion, are what I'm labeling as the unnatural or the ones that are going to lead to more suffering, the ones that are more rooted in separateness and anxiety and, and habituated patterning of avoiding the present moment. And this is really, if we were, if we had these words, I wish they had used more words like this when originally talking about sex or desire in the original Buddhist teachings. Because it's not that desire is a horrible word here. It's not that desire leads to suffering. If we're looking at this, I would say function and junction does not lead to suffering. Compulsion and or revulsion lead to suffering. It's the compulsive version of acting out on the function or the compuls compulsive acting out of the junction or the revulsion of the function or junction that actually causes suffering and separateness. The problem is, is that most of us are so conditioned and so have so much compulsion and revulsion that we can't tell the difference between normal and natural function and junction desires and the compulsive and revulsion desires. So they just all kind of get lumped together. And that's why Buddhists would say like 90% of the time, what you think is a natural and normal, like sexual desire is actually compulsion. It's actually got ego in it. It's actually got this little trick of the mind that's saying, if you do this, you're going to be happy, which is different than I'm just doing this function and in order to have junction. So I don't know, I mean, in your head, if I just asked you to just think about this for a second, like, can you easily tell the difference between when you simply have sexual desire or when you're simply having sex versus when you feel it's compulsive or when you're avoiding it out of some repulsion? And that can be a deeply seated feeling that somehow sex is immoral, or you were told that the type of sex you have is wrong, 
that you're avoiding it in some way, that you have pain in some way that you're avoiding. Um, another, other words that might be helpful for you if not compulsion and revulsion, but addiction and allergy. So you might have a sexual allergy in some ways that you push sex away for various reasons because you've been taught or trained to keep it away because previously you were hurt by it um, or you're addicted to it. So sexual addiction is more, I think, what the Buddha was talking about, that sexual addiction is is going to lead to suffering. And it's quite common that it's not just people that go to like Sex Addicts Anonymous, it's, it's like literally like all day long, most of the thoughts and feelings you might have around it are actually addictive because they include anxiety underneath them um, rather than mm. Rather than simply, okay, there's this function, I'm hungry for sex, just like I'm hungry for a sandwich, and I want to connect with another person, and it'll be nice and easy, and there's no fear or guilt or anxiety, it's just a way to connect with another human being. So, if you ask yourself that question, like, if, you come up, if you've come up with, like, no, I'm, I think I'm pretty good, like, most of my day is filled with, okay, that's a sexual... Um, feeling I can either I have someone I can act out on that with or, or I do it myself or whatever and it feels fine if I don't do it it's fine I'm not I don't feel compulsion or addiction to doing it um, I don't mind it I'm not pushing it away I don't think it's bad I don't think it's immoral um, I'm not using my mindfulness to try to squash it down because that's what I thought I'm supposed to do um, it if that's you, that's that's amazing. You've you've healed the, your second chakra area. You've you've worked. You've done that work. Um, I just I know from experience and from from people I've practiced with and things I've read. I mean, it just continues to be a problem for a lot of people, especially people that become enlightened beings. I mean, just look at every single industry, every single um, spiritual tradition. There's just sexual abuse everywhere and it's not we can't say that that's natural and normal sexuality when you're having sex with minors or um, harassing and abusing people and against their will like that's not that's not creating happiness in the world so we know that even people that have been doing this practice or claim that they're doing this practice or have done therapy for years have tons of sexual issues and traumas and abuses and confusions. So in some ways it's unavoidable and it's only recently where I've like developed this framework even for myself to be able to like, am I supposed to be getting rid of this feeling altogether or am I supposed to be just, just luxuriating it when I feel it? Or how do I actually get some understanding around it? And uh, for me, it's, it simply comes down to, no, there is a function, but 90% of the time, it's layered with and intertwined with and tangled with a compulsion. And you can make the same analogy with eating. Like, can you literally sit down and eat, chew each bite 30 times, take a breath after you, you know, feel the food go in, know exactly when you're full, or is there some level of compulsion when you eat where you just are like, ah, I got to eat and 
you're not mindful and you're just eating it and then all of a sudden you're either ate too much or you didn't eat the right thing or you missed the whole meal because you were just consumed in the compulsion or the allergy or whatever it is. So that's the framework. Function, junction as natural and normal versions where you can breathe, you'll be breathing like while you're having sex even, you'll just be breathing like like normal, like, okay, this is something that I'm doing. It feels good, but it doesn't feel compulsive. It doesn't feel like it has to go anywhere particular. It's just, I'm enjoying it as it's going. I'm being mindful of it. Whereas compulsion or revulsion is where the body is tight, where it gets localized to particular areas of the body. Um, I mean, in, in some sense, like, when you're naturally and normally breathing through basic sexual function, the whole body is engaged in it. It's a whole body type orgasm. You're not particularly located just at the genital area. But compulsion has to do with like, it feels tense and tight around a certain area or a certain area gets cold or a certain area gets hot. Um, and you lose yourself not in the good sense, but you lose yourself in the experience because there's so much tension um, or hope or despair or desire that's drawing you out of the present moment. And then you continue these cycles, either finding partners that do the same exact thing or that allow you to lose yourself in that, similar to like a drug addiction, or you avoid it entirely because you haven't worked through that, the pain or the trauma or the abuse or whatever it is. Um, so that's the framework, function junction, compulsion or addiction and revulsion or allergy, whatever terms work for you. So it is pos I guess the, the, the positive way of putting it is it is possible to remove some level of this conditioning, I think, and I have found to move closer to just, okay, this just feels like a natural function, but then the compulsions so easily return from the, the conditioning that we receive. And that's been kind of etched in our collective DNA.